Hi, and welcome to the West Visalia Audio Podcast. Each message is designed to help you grow and inspire you to take action. Please take a moment to hit the subscribe button, and don't be shy to drop us a message if you have a question. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Uh, Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers that are here this morning and those that are tuned in online. I hope that you have a good Mother's Day. I know that um, mothers don't always get the uh, praise and and honor that they deserve, definitely. Um, I am a Christian today because of my mother. I'm a preacher because of my mother. I'm alive because of my mother. So, I mean, there's that, right? But Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. And if you're looking to get your mom a last-minute Mother's Day gift because for some reason you forgot you can give a Bible Camp scholarship to a kid in her honor today. So if you want to donate toward Yosemite Bible Camp, hit me up. Maybe see Jim or Stacy, and we could take your donation. And we'll make sure that we let everybody know that it was your Mother's Day donation to Yosemite Bible Camp. If you didn't hear, we started registration for that today. We still don't know what kind of regulations and things like that are going to happen, but we had to get the ball rolling. So registration is open now. They've been My phone's been going off like crazy with messages because I get a, a notification in my email box anytime someone registers. And we've had like uh, 35 in the last, since midnight last night already register, which that's for church people, that's really good to move that quickly on the day that registration opens because usually it's the last day of camp or registration that everybody decides to do it. So maybe I put the fear in them enough over the years that now people are actually doing that. But if you want to help out with Bible Camp, see me. We'll get you plugged in with that. Um, Our theme for the year, 2021, is Renew. And as we've been mentioning, you know, week after week, the idea is is to have spiritual renewal in our lives. Renew, you know, energy and zeal for God. Renew a spirit of obedience. Renew uh, an evangelistic fervor. Renew our love for one another and for God. That's this idea that we've been trying to emphasize, you know, month after month in this new year. With this idea, though, of renewal, I want us to renew in our hearts and in our minds our relationship with Jesus a bit. Because here's what I think happens. Over time, we hear certain things about our Lord. We read maybe just our favorite passages about him, and we don't always get the whole picture of what Jesus is all about. And for example, you know, this morning in our Bible class, we're going through the book of John. It's so good going through an entire book of the Bible like that because we get to see kind of a whole picture of Jesus. But if you were to just take maybe one particular verse out of that book by itself, you might not have the whole scope of who Jesus is. You know, today we are talking so much about Jesus and his desire to reach out to those who are often rejected by society. We talked about how he showed love toward the downtrodden. We talked about how with that interaction with the Samaritan woman, you have him talking to someone who's not Jewish, someone who's poor, someone who's a woman, and someone who's in an immoral relationship. And yet, he treats her with love and compassion, and that's awesome. That's motivational to us to show that same love and care and concern toward all people, no matter what backgrounds they are, no matter what sins they struggle with, Jesus loves them all. But at the same time, as you go through the New Testament, you'll see that not everything Jesus did was always just friendly. Jesus was always loving, absolutely, but there was things that he did in how he interacted with people, and there was messages he preached that weren't always peaceful or joyous or happy messages. I came across a quote that I thought was powerful. It was this, Jesus was not crucified for being a good citizen, for just being a little nicer than everyone else. I think sometimes we've, we've allowed an idea of Jesus to creep into our mind where we look at him as always being 
the nice guy. Now, yes, Jesus was a nice guy. Jesus was loving and kind and, and all that and trying to promote peace and all things. But the, what made him special wasn't that he was just a little bit nicer than everybody else. What made him special was not the fact that, they, oh, he just always told everybody to be kind. That's not why people killed him. He obviously did some things that rubbed people the wrong way, right? Because when you think about Jesus always being nice, always talking about love and never offending anybody would not get you crucified, right? I mean, if that's all he ever did was, was always nice, always told you to love one another and never offended anybody, they wouldn't have put him to the cross. He would have gone through life. A lot of people would have probably liked him, but besides that, he wouldn't have had the impact that he did as that son of God. Always being nice does not get you crucified. So what caused people then to kill Jesus? What about Jesus made them so angry? What about Jesus if he is this nice guy who's all loving and all that? Why did they want to kill him? That's a good question, right? Now, I know as you go through the New Testament, you start to see why. People didn't like Jesus. They didn't like Jesus because, well, he went against some of the things that preconceived ideas they had. They didn't like the fact that he called God his father. They didn't like that. You know, they called it blasphemy and that kind of idea. They didn't like that he got attention that some of the religious leaders wanted. Jesus had followers, and they were losing followers. But another big one that sometimes we forget, big reason why people wanted to kill Jesus is because Jesus told people to change. Jesus told people to change their lives, to stop doing one thing and to start doing something else, and people didn't like it. You have sermon after sermon of Jesus where he calls people hypocrites and tells them to stop doing certain things. Well, people don't like being called hypocrites. That makes them angry. They don't like being told they have to change. Jesus called them out on their hypocrisy. He talked about how they're claiming to follow God, and yet they're unloving to their brother. He talked about how they claim to be worshipers of God, yet they live their lives in vain. He laid all this out there. He told people to change, and people didn't like it, so therefore, many people tried to kill him. Now, faithful people did. There were people we read about in Scripture that when they heard the message of Jesus, they stopped what they were doing and changed their lives and followed him. That's what the Bible calls repentance, right? And maybe you're familiar with that term. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, and Peter preached that sermon on Pentecost. One of the first things he told the people was repent, right? The idea of the repent means to change. Luke chapter 13, verse 3, Jesus says, I tell you, nay, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Then he repeats it again in verse 5. I tell you nay, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Over and over and over again, numerous times, Jesus told people to repent. To repent means to change. And let's be honest, a lot of us don't like being told to change. We don't like being told we have to stop doing something or that we're doing something wrong or that we need to make a change in our life, that we need to admit sin in this area, confess it and try to fix it. We don't like that. We don't like change, but faithful people change. Faithful people repent. With that as the backdrop then, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Acts. If you're new to our congregation or visiting with us today, what we've been doing on Sunday mornings is we're working through the book of Acts as a whole. We're trying to go section by section to allow God's word to speak to us so you don't just hear Cliff's ideas, you hear what the text has to say. But the book of Acts, it deals with the time after Jesus. 
The, old, the Bible is divided up into two parts. Old Testament is the time before Jesus. New Testament is the time with Jesus and following after him immediately. What happened is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all tell the story of Jesus. The book of Acts tells the history of Jesus' followers and how they went out and spread Christianity. Jesus has already died, buried, and rose again. He ascended into heaven. Now his followers, people like us, and some pretty big-name preachers like Paul and Peter and others, go out there and they preach the gospel and they convert people. That's what the book of Acts is all about. Where we left off, Paul is in Ephesus, the area of modern-day Turkey and it's that Asia Minor area, and he's preaching the gospel there. Well, in Acts chapter 19, verse 11, we're going to find out how faithful people here were willing to change. Jesus demands us to change. The people that reject that message were the same people that crucified him. We're not going to be like that, though. We're going to be people that receive that message, and we're going to change when Jesus tells us to. Let's read, though. Acts chapter 19 and verse 11. It says, God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. Remember that God empowered Paul to do some supernatural things, to try to show forth the power of God and to affirm the message that he was preaching. Because think about it. Paul is going into a mess, uh, an area where they, first off, the people didn't have the Bible circulated around yet. Okay, some people had Old Testament copies and things like that. But when it comes to the New Testament, the message of Jesus, very limited in its circulation. So Paul's going out there, and he's telling everybody, listen to me. I have the truth about Jesus. Let me tell you about the Messiah. People would say, well, how, why should we believe you? So Paul would do something supernatural, empowered by the Spirit, to give credibility to his message to show that he knows what he's talking about. So Paul is doing a lot of miracles through God. God's doing them through Paul, verse 11. And the miracles are so extent that it says in verse 12, so that the handkerchiefs or aprons were even carried from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them and the spirits went out, or evil spirits went out. So God is doing some pretty awesome things. He's making it so that all you had to do is Paul would give you a handkerchief. You go take it in and bless somebody and they'd be forgiven, or maybe the demons would be cast out of them and all of that. So Crazy stuff going on. If you're new to the Bible and you're thinking, what's all this stuff about evil spirits and all that, we can talk more about it. But the Bible talks about evil spirits and also talks about, you know, God and his spirit and how he can do great things and conquer them. But you have these people that are having these evil spirits cast out. In verse 13, though, it says that some of the Jewish exorcists who went from that place attempted to name over those who had the evil spirits in the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, I adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. So here's what's going on. Miracles are happening. Demons are being cast out by Paul and, you know, the followers there. Jewish exorcists, because apparently they had them, and they would cast out these evil spirits, saw what Jesus was accomplishing through Paul, and they want part of it. Maybe they weren't even true exorcists. I don't know. But they tried to cast out evil spirits in the name of Jesus, but they don't really believe in Jesus. They think that by using his name, they have kind of like a, an extra ability, a supernatural power or some way. Hey, we don't actually have to follow him, but if we say the magic words just right, we're going to have this power too. So these Jewish exorcists, they go up to these people with evil spirits, and here's what they do. They go, I adjure you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, which sounds made up already, doesn't it, when you have to do it that way? But anyway, they come up. I adjure you in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches, come out of this person. Well, what happens? What we find out is that these evil spirits 
recognize what they're doing, and they don't necessarily like it. Let's read verse 14. Seven sons, one of Siva and the Jewish chief priest, were doing this. And the evil spirit, so apparently these evil spirits talk too, verse 15, the evil spirit answered and said to them, I recognize Jesus and I know about Paul, but who are you? Look at this scene, by the way. So you got Paul over here, he's casting out evil spirits and actually doing the Lord's work. You got these people here, they go and try to do it in the name of Jesus, but they're not trying to actually follow Jesus. The evil spirit recognizes what they're doing and he talks back. He talks back to him. He says, I know who Jesus is. I recognize Jesus, and I know about Paul, but who are you? Like, who do you think you are? I know about Jesus. Demons know who Jesus is, by the way. James says that even demons believe in shudder. They just didn't follow him. They're on a losing mission, and they're going to be punished for it. But these demons here, they recognize Jesus. They go, you're not him. And we know who Paul is, too, because... Well, also demons talk, and we know what he's able to do. So he says, we know Jesus, we know Paul. Who do you think you are? Throwing that name out there, acting like you're somebody. And then it says, and the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them and subdued all of them and overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. So now this whole scene unfolds. The man who has the evil spirit is empowered by the evil spirit to jump on top of these Seven guys, and he whoops all seven of them, by the way. I wish it laid out exactly how, but he did. And apparently in the process, he ripped all their clothes, too, because they ran out of the house naked. So you don't want to mess with that guy. So he whoops them all because he has this evil spirit, and the evil spirit didn't recognize what these people were doing because they weren't truly doing it in the name of Jesus. And then the story stops. I wish we could learn more about it. But the Bible doesn't think that that's that important to us. But verse 17, this became known to all. And it says, and all who lived in Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was being magnified. Those that were trying to do it in the name of Jesus but not following Jesus didn't succeed. Those who truly followed Jesus were successful. People heard about it, and the message spread. Because, by the way, if Paul's casting out demons over here, and people over here tried and they fail, and that guy gets whooped, or seven people get beat up by a demon-possessed man, the word, the word is going to spread. So people started to hear about this. The word spread in the name of Jesus was being magnified. We go on, verse 18. Many of those who had believed kept coming and confessing and disclosing their practices. So now the message of Jesus is getting out there. Many people are hearing it. People are starting to change. People are starting to follow God. Then look at verse 19. Here's what I want us to emphasize today. Verse 19. And many of those who practiced magic brought their books together and began burning them in the sight of the everyone, and they continued or they counted up the price of them and found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver. So what happened here? There were people in this region that maybe you say like were part of the occult that, that practiced you know, witchcraft and things like that, some of those pagan religious practices, they were doing evil things. They weren't worshiping the true God. When they learned that Jesus was more powerful than the demons that they were trying to summon and all of that kind of stuff, when they learned about Jesus, what did they do? They left all that darkness behind. 
They took their books. Apparently, they had texts and things about their witchcraft and magic arts and, and all the things that they would do and, and engaging demons and evil spirits and all of that, which, by the way, demons and evil spirits are real. And apparently, these people had something to do with them, okay? But when they learned about Jesus, what did they do? They rejected all of that. And they took the, the things that they used in religious practices for that false demonic worship, and they took them and they burned them. They confessed their sins, they believed in Jesus, and they burned all those things that represented that old way of living. And this was a big commitment. It says that it cost 50,000 pieces of silver. That's how much material they destroyed. Why'd they do that? Because when you hear about Jesus, you realize the need to change. Verse 20 says that, so the word of the Lord was growing and prevailing mightily. These people here, they wanted to be faithful. Faithful people are willing to change. They heard the message. They left their demonic ways behind. And in fact, they wanted to erase it from their life. They got rid of all of it. Maybe some of you in your own life, there are certain sins, certain things that you struggled with that maybe you put money into, that when you decided, I'm not going to be like that anymore, you had to destroy it, and it cost you money. Maybe you put a lot of money and energy and time into a lifestyle that was leading you away from God, and you had to leave that lifestyle behind. They did here. 50,000 pieces of silver worth of items, they burned because they wanted to follow God. That's what the message of God does. Faithful people are willing to change. Jesus told people to change, and people didn't like it. But these people here, when they heard the message of repentance, they were willing to burn those books and to change their ways. The question then for us is, what changes does Jesus want us to make? Now, all of us, this is different for all of us. All of us have different sins in our life. All of us have different struggles. All of us have different things that entrap us, that pull us in, that pull us down, that drag us down. What changes do we need to make in our life? What do we need to give up? What do we need to burn in the fire, you might say, like Dee did here? What do we need to pour down to drain? What do we need to get rid of? What do we need to remove from our life? What do we need to change? What about in regards to things we need to start doing? Are there certain actions in our life that we haven't been doing that we need to do we need to love people more? Do we need to be a better husband, be a better wife, be a better son, be a better daughter, be a better Christian? Do we need to improve our prayer life? Do we need to spend more time in the word of God? Do we need to spend more time worshiping and praising him? Do we need to do more to stand up for the truth? Do we need to get rid of the lies in our life? What changes does Jesus want us to make to our lives? These individuals here were willing to burn their books. How about us? Figuratively speaking, now, if we were to have a big old bonfire and put a whole bunch of sins in it, what sins would we put in there? What would we be needing to give up? What is something that we cling on to because, well, it, it has sentimental value or, or that, that life, that way of living, that mindset, that way of thinking. I put so much time, energy, and effort into it. It meant so much to me. Are we willing to change? Following Jesus demands us to change our old ways and follow him. You think about Jesus when he called his disciples, you know, he told them to follow him. And then throughout his ministry, a message that we see preached and, and lived out is the message of denying self, taking up 
our cross and following him. The cross, as we mentioned before, was a symbol of death. So by taking up our cross, we're willing to lose it all for Jesus. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, what we're studying on Wednesday night, the Apostle Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And that life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Crucifying ourselves with Christ means changing our ways. What about the idea of Romans chapter 6? When it talks about our baptism, it talks about, you know, we rise to walk in newness of life. A new life. A changed life. They burned their books when they confessed their sins. What about us? Now, I can't speak for everybody in this audience, but I know there's changes I have to make in my life on a daily basis, and I know there's changes that you need to make too. Let's follow this message here. When we realize how great the name of Jesus is, may we reject everything that rejects him. Let's burn our books. Let's change our old ways. Let's renew a spirit of commitment and obedience in our lives. The lesson is yours this morning. Greg's going to lead us in a song in just a moment. After services, if anybody has a need, we'd, be loved, we'd love to help you, you know, overcome sin. We'd love to help you know Jesus more so that you can change and follow him too. Let's all stand together and let's sing the song that was selected. Thanks again for listening to West Visalia Audio. We hope these messages have helped you grow and inspired you to take action. Be sure to check in each week for more on-the-go content or visit our YouTube channel to watch the live video. Thanks for participating and God bless.